0: We're in Genesis chapter 35, we're only going to look at probably four verses here, but as life goes on around us, many times we have to see the depravity of our flesh before repentance or revival can come to our lives. We can be going along, just kind of cruising along, thinking, I'm not doing so bad. When out of the blue, we do something that totally shames us. And it awakens us to the evil that lies within our very heart. I have come to understand that under the wrong circumstances... Under evil pressures of life, I'm capable of any sin. (laughs) There's none that escape me. And God, in His mercy and grace, He protects me and He protects you. And He protects us from all sorts of evil and all sorts of sin that we might engage in. And mostly, God protects me from me. (laughs) That's a stark realization. (laughs) There's a line in the Lord's Prayer that says, Lead us not into temptation. That's a constant prayer of mine. <laughs> because I need the Lord leading my life away from sin and away from temptation. In chapter 34 of Genesis, Jacob and his sons have sinned very grievously against God. Jacob has allowed, he's been part of, the slaughter of all the adult males in the city of Shechem. That's quite a statement. We understand that all sin is against God. But murder, the taking of another human life, there's no sin that's greater. That is the most grievous sin against God. And Jacob... He has allowed his sons to slaughter innocent victims with their out-of-control revenge of what Shechem the man did against Dinah, their sister, and Jacob's daughter. And it doesn't matter what kind of label that you put on murder, it remains extremely offensive to God we have learned to call murder a woman's choice. And what should be the safest place in the world turns out to be the most dangerous place in the world for infants, and that's their mother's womb. And how tragic a statement that is. Consider that since the passing of the Roe v. Wade uh, law, basically, The right for a mother to abort her baby, we've had over 50 million babies aborted in America. That is staggering. 50 million. And now I'm not trying to put a guilt trip on anyone. There is forgiveness, even for murder, even for aborting. And many, many people have been part of an abortion, but I want to tell you there is forgiveness for that. I never want to talk about the horrors of abortion without telling each and every one of us here and anyone that will listen to me, there is forgiveness. And for any person who has sinned grievously in any way, rise up, be like Jacob. And go back to Bethel. Return to the house of the Lord. Receive forgiveness for your sins and enjoy, like our scripture reading this morning, times of refreshing that come from repentance and forgiveness. Now that's sermon one. I'm about to get into sermon two here. Genesis chapter 35, 1 through 4. Then God said to Jacob, Arise, go to Bethel, and dwell there, and make an altar there to God, who appeared to you when you fled from the face of Esau your brother. And Jacob said to his household and to all who were with him, Put away the foreign gods that are among you, purify yourselves, and change your garments. Then let us arise and go to Bethel, and I will make an altar there to God, who answered me in the day of my distress and has been with me in the way which I have gone. So they gave Jacob all the foreign gods which were in their hands, and the earrings which were in their ears, and Jacob hid them on the Tirbith tree, which was by Shechem. After the slaughter at Shechem, Jacob has fled that area. God's word comes to Jacob. Arise, go to Bethel, go up to the house of God." Now for us today, that means go to a place of worship. Basically put, go to church, (laughs) okay? Way too many Christians in our world today look upon church attendance as optional. And I think that has an effect upon many churches today And many churches today fall into the trap of trying to be family entertainment. As a means, as a way to draw people in. I would venture to say, looking around at you people, that I've heard more sermons, more teachings than most of you here, simply because I'm older. I hate to admit it. It's true. But anyway... For years and years, I attended churches and heard topical sermons, sermons that tickled the pastor's fancy, or perhaps a church would bring in a dynamic speaker or some special singing group, or uh, for the purpose of entertaining the saints, would be invited. as believers we have a lot of needs and one of those needs is the full counsel of God's Word. We need all of the Bible to counsel us, meaning we need to study the entire Bible. Now, if you were to allow me to teach on my pet subjects, (laughs) you'd hear a lot of sermons about giving, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you would hear about church growth, and they would come forth probably on a regular basis. Concerning church growth, that seems to be the hot topic that's out there. Of all the literature that crosses my desk, people mailing me things that I don't have a clue as to who they are, church growth by far is the most popular subject that crosses my desk. And that is only second to raising money. And, of course, raising money from you people. So I'm here to tell you, give. Give a little more than you think you should. No, we won't go there. God forbid that I ever make that the topic of a sermon. But, you know, there's organizations that, out, uh, that are out there that offer to come in here, take me to a seminar or whatever, and the purpose of that seminar is how to raise funds, how to motivate you to give more money. And for a fee, they will do this. <laughs> a very popular what I call opinion of the church today is if there's more people and if there's more money, all the problems will go away. That's not quite true. But back to Jacob and his family, Simeon and Levi, Jacob's sons have grievously sinned in the slaughter of Shechem, the city of Shechem. Jacob, He's instructed by God, go back to Bethel, Jacob, for you need revival in your life, Jacob. You need to turn back to me. And that's all revival means, is a turning back to God. You know, you can drive down the same streets and roads that I do, and you'll see on the church marquee's revival tonight. And I always think, maybe... That's an assumption. Maybe there will be revival. Maybe there will be a turning of hearts back to God. But we're not guaranteed that. But Jacob instructs his family, put away your foreign gods that are among you. Jacob, the patriarch, he has allowed his family to hang on to, perhaps even worship, idols. Remember, When Jacob was silent about uh, his daughter Dinah when she was raped. Well, Jacob has also been very silent, passive about foreign gods and idols being worshipped within his family. And Jacob is instructed by God, clean up your family. And it's sad when we have to be told to do that. But as we read these verses is not God telling us to clean up our families? We are to be a separated people. We are to come out from among the world. We're to be different. And I think God would tell us maybe many times to clean up our household. As parents, we must be careful. We have to be careful not to allow in our homes... Under our very noses, things that promote sin. For years, here at church, we would have what we call Super Bowl parties. Hey, clean fun, right? Wrong. When we would have our Super Bowl parties, I would assign somebody the remote control. And I would instruct them, when the bad commercials come on, hit silence... Or if you have to, turn the channel, you know, change channels. And many of the commercials during a Super Bowl game are not fit for consumption. It's just that simple. And after we had worn out a remote control, I, I started thinking, well, maybe Super Bowl parties aren't the best thing in the world to have at a church. The football game's okay but not their advertisements. But that raises a question, what are we allowing to come into our homes through perhaps the movie channels? What are we allowing access to on the internet? And I don't Facebook, I really do not. Because Facebook can be just a form of gossip, sorry. You heard it here. That's all it can be. You know, we we will say and do things on Facebook that we would never say up front to someone. But what are we, Christian America, what are we, like Jacob, allowing to be in our homes? The foul language, the violence, the nudity that some Christians allow in their homes simply ought not to be. Now, as adults, we live in a fallen world. And many of us have learned to turn a deaf ear to foul language, suggestive language, and we have learned to turn a blind eye to things that are, are just sinful. But our children are not always as capable of avoiding sin as we are. As parents, our job is to protect those innocent minds. Protect our children. R-rated movies used to be forbidden in many homes, and they're way too common today. There are some Calvary chapels that I know of that forbid anyone serving in ministry in that church to even view an R-rated movie. I applaud those, for, those Calvaries for taking a stance like that. But putting away foreign gods, it used to be an attitude, it used to be a policy of our government to do that. But no longer is that the case. Our military today puts great restriction on Christian chaplains, even telling them how they can pray and who they can pray with and pray in what name. In many situations, chaplains are not even allowed to pray in the name of Jesus. Last month in Missouri, heart of the Midwest, The National Park Services started requiring Christian churches to have a permit and to give a 48-hour notice of any baptismal service on public lands. The Park Service... Even began to hinder the attendance of baptismal services by placing boulders and large rocks on the pathways that would lead to the water, where the elderly could not drive their cars down to the water. In Olympia, Washington, Christian churches were denied a permit to baptize at the heritage parks. Two years ago in Florida, in Miami, A baptism was shut down by lifeguards on a public beach. Regarding that Missouri incident, uh, this angered a representative there, Jason Smith, who demanded the Park Service give an answer to the restriction of Christian using public parks. I like that man. The Park Service back down, thanks to one godly representative. And that's good to hear. But the attitude of our government, our attitude of our government towards Christianity is becoming more and more of a social persecution in America. However, if you happen to be a Muslim, our government is becoming more and more accommodating. There's a university in Dearborn, Michigan who spent $25,000 of its own money to install a foot bath uh, facility for Muslims going to daily prayer. There's airports here in the United States that use public funds for foot washing basins for their Islamic taxicab drivers. San Francisco International, I know San Francisco, (laughs) used tax dollars to build a place of worship for their Islamic employees. What is wrong with this? Well, the United States of America was founded upon Christian morals and principles and beliefs. Let me say that again. We were founded upon Christian morals, beliefs. And God has blessed us because of that. He's blessed us as a people for honoring Him. And I say that with no hesitation, with no regard for who that might offend. Now for us, who were once a Christian nation, How do you think we can avoid God's judgment by promoting worship of foreign gods in America? How can you expect God to bless that? God came to Jacob and he required him to put away the foreign gods. To turn away from sin. And Jacob in turn requires this of his family. You remember how Rachel, Jacob's wife, had stolen her father Laban's little gold idols? It appears that those stolen idols have found their way out of the closet of Rachel into open worship in the family. Let me just uh, define an idol for you. It's anything that comes between you And your worship of the living God, that is an idol. An idol can be a building, it can be a house, it can be an automobile, it can be pleasurable activities. There is one idol that Calvary Chapel does not have to fight. That's fancy clothes. T-shirts and Bermuda shorts do not qualify as idols. I just, just want to let you know. Jacob, it's interesting, he required his family to change their garments. Change your clothes. Because what you wore in biblical days, your garments, determine what type of character you had. And so Jacob even required his family to change their garments. In Jude verse 30, or 23, rather, it says, But others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments defiled by the flesh. The removing of idols and foreign gods, coupled with changing of the garments, was an outward sign of repentance within Jacob's family. They're repenting. They're changing their ways. And Jacob's family had a turning away from their old lifestyle. And then we have God wanting Jacob to build an altar. He's wanting Jacob to now do something after he has repented. And that's build an altar at Bethel. Build an altar for sacrificing and for worship. Build an altar of thanksgiving, Jacob. Give God thanks for provision and his protection over your life. And the spirit of God is now working in Jacob. And he's bringing to remembrance in Jacob the faithfulness of himself to Jacob. Jacob repents. And then Jacob builds an altar. One of the, what I call, big killers in our relationship with God is status quo. We assume that what was good for yesterday must be good for today. Contrary. Our walk of faith is always to be active, always to be moving forward. Status quo kills. You cannot rest upon yesterday's activities, yesterday's commitment, yesterday's love of God. It has to be updated daily. Don't be tied to old customs. It's possible that they're not of God. Customs, behavior that is rote, are an enemy of an active relationship with God. Jacob's repentance was followed by building an altar of worship. We need to be active in our relationship with God and our faith should always have adventure in it god desires that we be more mature more active today than we were yesterday and growth of faith requires that our flesh become uncomfortable faith and being comfortable they cannot coexist God is always stretching us. He's always expanding our horizons. He's always wanting more out of us than we have given in the past. And he takes us through trials, trials of faith. And he does this regularly because without faith, it is impossible to please God. So he takes us through things that stretch our faith where we can be pleasing to him. Mike McIntosh of Horizon Fellowship once said, I will do anything God asks as long as I know it's God. That is a large statement. (laughs) Christians, we have the greatest challenge of all of mankind. We have the living God working in us and through us to bring us about to a place of service in doing God's will versus our own will. Bringing us to a place where the will of God, his plan for our life, is the most important thing in our life. Turn with me over to John chapter 6. In John chapter 6, Jesus is beginning to teach not only the 12 disciples, but he's also teaching the multitudes that he's just fed. He's just fed the 5,000. And now Jesus is starting to lay out requirements of being one of his disciples. Jesus, in this Chapter 6 has been teaching about eating his body and drinking his blood, or communion. That's what Jesus has been talking about. So, let's read John chapter 6, beginning in verse 60. Therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, This is a hard saying. Who can understand it? And when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? What then if you should see the Son of Man ascend sin where he was before? And if the Spirit who gives life, it is the Spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. But there are some among you who do not believe. For Jesus knew from the beginning who were Who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. And he said, Therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by my Father. From that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And then Jesus said to the twelve, Do you also want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him, Lord, To whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And also, we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Let me draw your attention to verse 67. Jesus turns to his 12 closest disciples, hand-picked, hand-chosen, prayed over, And he asked them, do you also want to go away? Because the disciples and Jesus seeing the multitudes leaving. And Peter, and this is one of his shining moments, this is one of those good times for Peter. And Peter says, Lord, to whom shall we go? You alone have the words of eternal life and that hasn't changed. Still true today. Verse 69, We have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Have we come to know that? Have we come to really know that there is only life and only life in Jesus? My prayer, my desire, is that we here this morning in this room will come to the place where we know Jesus, the giver of eternal life. In a few moments we'll close and we'll help people in the prayer area who are more than willing to pray with you if you desire eternal life. Or if you have any other need in your life and you want somebody to agree with you in prayer, seek them out. So let me get you to stand and we'll close in prayer. Father God, I would ask that you cause revival in each of our hearts and our lives, that we would turn to you Completely and wholly, Lord, that we would reserve nothing, that we would offer ourselves up to you to serve you in any way that you see fit, any way you choose, and that we would turn away, Lord, from foreign gods or anything else in our life that has come between you and us, Lord. We want to be holy and truly dedicated unto you. In all that we do. Lord God. May we return. To our Bethel. To that place. That you've called us to. We pray for this. and We ask for this. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We're going to do something a little different here. We're going to have two closing songs. I said count them. Two. (laughs) Give you an opportunity to reflect upon where you're at with your Lord and an opportunity to return to Bethel. Amen? Amen.